I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast. And today on the podcast, we are beginning a series of interviews connected to the Great Resignation, a unique time in our nation's history when millions of people are quitting their jobs, literally millions. I am not exaggerating. This is no hyperbole. I'll be interviewing some of those who have left and been part of that great resignation and exploring the whys and the hows and the what's for those who maybe have chosen to stay or are looking to leave themselves and what their reasons are. Now, my underlying hunch is that a driving factor of what's behind the great resignation is that the pandemic really prompted people to take a closer look at their lives including their work and whether that work has meaning for them, both personal meaning and professional meaning. I think that they might be wondering whether the contribution that they're making in their work or the contribution that their employer is making to them is sufficient. And it seems that we're at this inflection point when we're prompted to take a closer look at our lives in general and really looking at whether there's a significant or sufficient return on investment. And of course, if there isn't significant or sufficient return on investment, whether that's us giving to our role, our jobs or our employers giving back to us, I think that turnover is likely a, a significant outcome. The investment on the employee side, of course, is the work that we're doing in the role, the work that we're doing with that particular organization or on that particular career path. And the investments that the employer side is making includes salary, benefits, organizational culture, climate, and really a sense of being valued. And of course, it doesn't hurt that we're in a tight labor market with literally millions of open jobs, making the opportunity to find something different or better, easier, perhaps, than in other economic times. So today on the podcast, I am so excited to start the first of this series of interviews, and I am pleased to interview my dear friend, Pam Longfellow, who is a senior project manager at Be The Match. I have really been looking forward to this conversation with Pam. So without further ado, Pam, welcome to the show. Very glad to be here. Wonderful. Now you were an early adopter in the great resignation. And so in setting the context for our listeners, can you just talk us through the timeline of when you left your last position and when you started your current role at Be The Match? Yeah, so it was about a year ago. Um, I think it was actually September 14th. So literally a year ago today is when I started my new position at Be The Match um, and left my former position as an independent contractor actually Um, in the project management space and took a full-time employment position as a senior project manager with Be The Match. All right. So you made a transition not only from one organization to another, but there was also kind of a reshaping of 
part of your career, obviously still staying in the project management field, but going from being an independent contractor to being a full-time employee with an organization. So we'll come back to that because I think there's a place for us to explore that too. But share with our listeners just a little bit about project management in general and kind of what you're called upon to do as a project manager, because I imagine some of our listeners aren't familiar with project management as a discipline. Yes. So project managers essentially help um, a team within an organization complete a specific objective. Sometimes that objective could be implementing a new computer system. That objective might be merging with another company. Uh, That objective might be looking at doing work within a department in a new way. And so there's there's a clear objective with a clear start and a clear finish. And project managers help whoever's involved in executing on that objective do so. So we make sure we understand the full scope of the work, who's needed to do it, how we manage it to keep on track to actually get to a completion point. But a high level, that's what a project manager does. All right. So you're really the grease that makes the wheels run smoothly and makes sure things get done. When I do my job well, yes, <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens. All right. Fantastic. Now, you know, we've all gotten rather used to life in the pandemic as this new normal, but let's just remember for a moment, all of the uncertainty and ambiguity that was happening at that particular time in the world, say a year ago, when you were changing jobs, we were six months in, I think some of us were still washing our groceries at that point, because we were so, there was so much uncertainty about the virus and how we could contract it and so forth. And so as we think back to that particular point in time, you know, where was your mindset as it relates to starting a new role, given that you had already all this other ambiguity and uncertainty in your life, making a somewhat significant shift, both in terms of how you were employed, going from being an independent contractor to a full-time employee, as well as where you were being employed, a brand new organization. Yeah, I actually think um, there was more uncertainty hanging out for me that I that I realized and being an independent contractor. So I would say prior to the pandemic, I had been doing um, I'd been self-employed, doing independent work for over five years and had it that I would continue doing that into the foreseeable future. So it really wasn't even on my radar to consider changing employment and certainly not to consider going from being a self-employed independent contractor to a full-time employee. What happened is that there was a job posting that just because I had um, Be The Match with one of my former customers when I, as an independent contractor, saw a job opening come across LinkedIn and that was it. And after a couple of weeks, for some reason, it was still sitting at the back of my head. And so I decided to explore why that was still sitting at the back of my head. And I was actually surprised to discover that um, the uncertainty that comes with independent contracting was weighing on me more than I thought it was. I've been in that space for a while. It's never really been a huge concern for me of could I find the next you know, piece of work for myself. But as I started to ponder that, and this is where maybe it was within the larger uncertainty that the pandemic brought, there was, I felt some real comfort at the thought of being employed at an organization and putting, you know, roots down um, more long-term potentially at an organization. So somewhat surprised to discover that. 
And it was really uh, realizing that and seeing myself positively react to the thought of being employed versus being an independent in an ever-growing uncertain world that led me to apply for the job. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems that some of that uncertainty that you were just mentioning that relates to being an independent contractor might also be present in the minds of people who work in organizations where, let's say, there's restructuring going on or there are layoffs going on. That just that additional layer of uncertainty, along with the pandemic and everything that it brings about, might be, you know, just that nudge that they need, just like for you, just that nudge that you didn't even know was there until it showed up. Uh Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, Well, so what advice would you give to those who are in a similar situation that you were, whether they're experiencing that nudge or whether it's just they're seeing all this all the news stories about the great resignation or whether they have maybe a more deep-seated career or job or organization dissatisfaction. So let's look at, you know, making that decision to leave. Yeah. First, I would say this will be of no surprise to you, given the conversations we have is just pay attention, right? Don't overlook when something starts pulling at you. Um, Pay attention and be willing to be curious about Um, you know, that thing that might be sitting at the back of your mind and engage it and explore it and see what there is to tell you. Because like I said, I I was, I was pretty certain I wasn't, I was going to be independent for a long time. I really, in my, it was a very intentional choice that I did not want to be fully employed. So I was really surprised, but what I, but when it showed up, especially when it showed up two or three times, I realized, okay, that's something to pay attention to. And so first thing is just to pay attention and really listen to when, when there's something pulling at you. What I realized for myself is that, um, and as you find, as you go through life, um, whether there's pandemics or not, is that sometimes you need different things at different points in your career. And so that's what I discovered. Like I was at a different point in my career and I was at a point where it felt like a better life balance for me to be part of an organization and to put down roots. And so that the main thing I would say is pay attention and listen. Mm-hmm. Listen to those nudges from the universe. Listen to yeah. your intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Understand what they're trying to tell you. And then I would say the other piece of advice is then, you know, take time to also put some uh, rational thought behind it. So one of the things that I had to choose is um, there was a financial impact to going permanent from being an independent. And so once I kind of listened to that nudge and saw what it was telling me, and it was saying, you know, oh, you would really actually, where you are in life, you would desire to be an employee. Well, there's some reality I had to deal with inside of that. Um, I am a a single parent, so I am the sole breadwinner in my household. And there was some reality that I had to really look at and say, okay, is this thing that I'm being nudged more, is is it feasible and is it feasible right now? And so I also had to take the time to, you know, take the sense that I was feeling and ground it in the reality of my current circumstance to see if I could make it work. Yeah. So you're thinking about not just the role and putting down roots with an organization. You're also thinking about the financial impact on your family. You're thinking about, and certainly, I mean, I think there's probably, if you were thinking of it as a tally sheet, there's probably tick marks on both sides of the equation there, just in terms of the security of things like health insurance and, you know, the full benefits package and paid vacation, which you don't get as an independent contractor. Then on the other side of the balance sheet, you might have potentially a lower salary. And so you really have to, and I think this is so true in any, you know, taking any job, you really do have to look at that whole compensation package. It's not just 
the salary number. There's a lot more that goes into it. Yes. Yes. All right. Now, let me ask you about my hunch regarding finding meaningful work and how that might play into this whole great resignation. And of course, meaningful work can really look a lot of different ways, depending on your circumstances. Some people might want the flexibility to blend their work and their family life, and maybe that's where the meaning comes from. Others might feel strongly called to do work for a certain type of organization, whether that's a nonprofit or, you know, a a particular, again, a type of organization or industry. Um, And still others might have personal values that they really want to align with the type of work that they're doing. And and that's, of course, not a complete list. There are other ways in which meaningful work can take shape for people as well. But so as we cast that idea of meaningful work broadly, do you think meaningful work might be a driving force in the great resignation? And was it for you? Yes. And specifically in how you couch the term meaningful work more as a more broad term. Because I think sometimes right people hear meaningful work and they think, you know, a very specific passion or purpose that you want to express through your work. And that I work for Be The Match, that happens to be a nonprofit. There are a lot of people that work for Be The Match for that reason. Um, For me, what resonates me is the broader term of meaningful. And for me, meaningful means it makes my whole life work, right? Um, So it's not just a company that I feel I can align with from a value standpoint and a team that I respect and a role that challenges me, but it's also, does it support everything else that's going on in my life? Does it support my schedule? Does it support my finances? And so for me, it was absolutely, and, and why I was willing to take you know, a bit of a step back from a pay standpoint to take this job, because in the broad sense of meaning, it really just makes my whole life work. So I do think that that is what people are looking at. Um, how does how does the whole thing work for me and how inside of what my life means and what's important to me, what choices do I make? So it's definitely part of what drove me to make a change. Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing all kinds of statistics about why people are staying, why people are going, and they have everything to do with the work-life balance piece to whether the, to their health insurance coverage to, you know, just like you said, just making it work for your life. Yeah. Now, if someone was to get, was in the inquiry of thinking about leaving, and I just use this metaphor of a balance sheet, would you suggest they make a pro and con list and sort of lay some of this out for them so they can see it more clearly in black and white? I mean, you were talking earlier about taking a rational approach in addition to listening to your intuition. So what what do you think about that? Um, I do. And I, I, uh, this is just how I operate. Um, I know there's a, there's a continuum here for folks. I do think you have to be grounded in reality. Um, and I don't think you want to be limited by it, which is a balance, right? And so I do think it makes sense to, um, whether it's a pro and con list, or just what are all the things that you want to consider, and make sure that there's something that you're, um, you don't want to leave a, a very important consideration out in making the choice. So what are all the important things for you to consider? Um, for some people, it might be healthcare. For some people, they might not have to care because they have a spouse that has that. So, what is important to you to consider in making this choice? And so, whether that shows up like a balance sheet or a, a pro con or whatever it is, I think it's just it is important to get all the considerations on the table. Um, I also think getting all those consideration on the considerations on the table helps to clear your mind at a different level to see what is it that you really want to choose inside of all of that. 
so yes, I, I made a list of everything I had to consider. Um, I made sure that, yeah, again, the sense that I had when it first showed up is that, oh, this works better for me. There's a reason I'm being drawn to this job posting that keeps, you know, niggling at the back of my head. But so to kind of take that and put down my considerations and make sure the two match, I think is important to do. All right. Yeah. And I, you know, as you were talking to, I just got to thinking about how where somebody is at in their career path is also going to make a significant difference in terms of what goes on that pro con list and what goes on that balance sheet, because somebody who's mid-career is probably thinking more about contribution to their retirement account and <laughs> a number of things that have to do with safety and security and long-term, you know, for the long term long haul. Whereas somebody who's just a couple of years out of college may have a very different set of circumstances and, uh, and things that are important to them at that particular point in time. Not that they shouldn't be saving for retirement. They absolutely should be, but yes. they have other concerns that may be more top of mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. All right, now let's suppose that somebody goes through, you know, they, they feel their way through it, so they got their nigglings and they're paying attention to their intuition and so forth, and they're grounded in reality. They make their lists of pros and cons and really discern what's most important to them. And it turns out that they're going to leave. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for them about the departure and exit process as they're leaving one organization? Any words of wisdom? You know, I, I don't know that I have any unique words of wisdom given the current climate. Um, you know, I always feel that leaving with the utmost integrity is important because you never know when things are going to come back around. Things have come back around to me in the most interesting ways um, in my career. Um, even in my, my current position, one of the reasons I was able to secure the job and be the match is because they'd been a client of mine before and they had um, a respectful view of me. So I'd say do whatever you can to leave with the utmost integrity. Make sure um, everyone is taken care of and you're leaving. Um, and the other one thing I would say is that like one of the things I do think is unique about the current climate is that there's not a lot of surprises. Like when people choose to leave, like nobody is necessarily surprised these days, because as you said, it's happening. Um, it's a, it's occurring at such a high rate. So um, what I've found in the current climate is people are very supportive of people making choices. So I think that that is good. Um, and yeah, my advice would just be maintain your integrity in the leaving process. Yeah. And I, I think you are so spot on with, you never know where or how something is going to circle back across your career path yeah. again at some point. And, you know, as you mentioned, be the match, having been one of your clients before, just for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with contracting work and being an independent contractor, what you're saying is that you actually worked for them at one point in the past 
as an independent contractor doing project management work. And then whether that project ended or they ran out of contracting dollars or however it went yes. down, you left that organization and then you came back. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think the, the phenomenon of being an alumni of a corporation or an organization of some type <laughs> leaving to go elsewhere, ac acquire some additional skills or get some additional responsibility under your belt and then coming back is uh, probably more common than some, you know, than we sometimes think. It, it is. And, and uh, um, you and I live in the um, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Twin Cities market. It is a relatively small market. So you, you really, it's not uncommon to when you're pursuing a position at another company to run into somebody that you've known from a past life. So um, it's important to maintain your integrity. Exactly. And even if you don't know them personally, it might be that your reputation precedes you and they yes. know of your, they know <laughs> of you, if not actually know you. Absolutely. <laughs> you want that to be for a good reason. Yes. And you want that to be a very positive, you want them to be saying wonderful things around yes. <laughs> about you when you're out of the room. Yes. All right. Now, uh, how about onboarding during a pandemic? I mean, you've been exclusively working remotely this past year. So any tips on building and maintaining relationships with brand new coworkers when you're at a distance? Yeah. It, you know, I, a, a couple of things. I'm fortunate having been, um, having had contacts for the organization before I knew a lot of the people, which was nice. It has been really, uh, for example, the woman that hired me, um, I knew from when I was there before. And yet it's been very odd that it's been a year and I haven't seen her face to face. Um, I also find that it's interesting how normal talking to each other through a computer screen has become. It's really kind of odd, but people have, it's amazing how much people have acclimated to it. Um, I would say this is where for me being more of an extrovert makes it easier. Um, I think if you're not um, one of those people that will reach out and introduce yourself, it gets even harder remotely. And so I think that likely people are going to have to challenge themselves, step out of their comfort level and do that. Um, in my line of work as a project manager, I, I do this because I enjoy people and it's a very people focused role. And so in my role, that's what I do. Um, I reach out, I connect, I put half hour meetings on people's calendars just to introduce myself and understand people's roles and perspectives. Um, and with the context of my job, that's very easy to do. Um, so I think wherever that line is for someone stepping into a new role, the more people can challenge themselves to kind of just step over where, wherever their comfort line is, step over it a little bit because you don't have those opportunities just to bump into a new person in the hall and say, hello. One of the things that Be The Match did that I thought was interesting is that they have actually set up ways for people who aren't in the same department to connect just as a way to try and build connections and meet people who you might run into in a stairwell if you were in the office or in the gym, um, but being remote, you would never run into them. So they're actually, they've created ways for that to happen. So I do think that you have to be intentional um, in you know, manufacturing opportunities to connect that you wouldn't have to if you were just showing up in person. And I think that that's what can be, for some more than others, uncomfortable. So wherever your comfort level is, I would just encourage people just, you know, step over it a little bit. Yeah. And I appreciate that you said, you know, manufacturing those opportunities to connect, because as you think about, I mean, I can think of, and I'm sure most people can think of a time when at a job, when they were face-to-face, co-located, 
they just had the same rhythm of refilling their water bottle, or they were always in the cafeteria line with somebody at the same time. And you just eventually, after making a little bit of eye contact and then smiling a few times and then saying good morning a few times, and then eventually you start talking to one another. And, you know, sometimes you form a fast friendship with somebody whose work isn't at all related to yours. And we're missing those opportunities for those casual collisions that turn into workplace relationships that make it kind of, you know, I mean, our, our coworkers become our work friends, become our real friends. And uh, so manufacturing the opportunities to make that happen is yes, I fully endorse that as a practice. And it supports you in staying connected, especially if you're moving into a new position for reasons that we talked about, because it somehow brings more meaning to your life, whether that's more balance or whatever that means to you. Um, you know, it's, it would be unfortunate to go through that process to then not feel connected to the new organization that you chose to be part of. And so that connection just takes a little bit more work in our current circumstance. So we've, we've been talking about this from the side of, you know, you as the new employee, now you've been there for a year. Um, so you're a bit more on the, you know, getting into the veteran side of the employee uh, base. Have there been any things that either you've done to reach out to somebody who's newer than you, or can you think of something that maybe somebody did that was a very welcoming gesture to you at some point along the way during the last year? Like, can we get a specific example of something that somebody might've done? Uh, So I would say Be The Match is very good at creating that. Like I said, the program they had where they connect you to people that aren't in your department has been very well received and made it very easy. Um, I would say I am fortunate to work for a boss that also makes that very intentional. So anytime there is a new person that comes on our team, um, they get introduced and we connect. We also have um, my peers and I as project managers, we have regular stand-up meetings. We have regular 15-minute social touch points throughout the week. So where we don't have an agenda item, it's not to accomplish any business objective. It's just to connect because if we were in the office sitting next to each other, we would be doing that. So uh, my team meets 15 minutes on Monday and 15 minutes on Friday, whoever can show up just to kind of chat amongst ourselves about whatever we feel like chatting about. And so I would say it's those pieces um, that have really worked. The other thing is that as we've gone on, um, I feel like people have become more comfortable putting some personal conversation into the start of a business meeting, where if you were in the office, you would naturally do that. I felt at the beginning, you know, Zoom calls and everything, it was all business all the time. And I know that we have been encouraged in our organization. And I've seen it happen where people are starting to take a few minutes at the beginning to acknowledge something. So yeah, because examples I would put out. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's, that's great to hear because if you think about when we were co-located and a meeting was about to start, people would trickle into the meeting over the course of a couple of minutes. And then if I saw you there, I might be like, Hey, how was your daughter's soccer game this weekend? Was she in a tournament? And, mm-hmm. and, and we would be having those conversations and we would think nothing of it. It wouldn't feel like wasting time or it wouldn't right. feel like prying into one another's lives. These were just the kinds of conversations we had. And then, as you say, we got very almost transactional when we went, you know, pivoted so quickly into all the technology meetings. And it felt like we shouldn't be asking each other those things. And but yet we really need to, because that's what 
creates the, you know, stitches the fabric of the relationships together. And invites new people in, in a different way as well when that's available. Yeah. 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 Cause then they hear something that relates to them or they can have a similar experience with, and they've got a, a place to chime in. Yeah. Yeah. Any last words for our listeners about the great resignation or your thoughts on your own career transition and, and move over this last year? Again, you're, you've always been an early adopter of things. So it's no <laughs> surprise that uh, you jumped in there within the first uh, six months or so of the, of the pandemic to do something different. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll just reiterate, you know, kind of listen to those things that pull at you because it's, it's a very interesting time. And I think it's going to be great to see what shifts in the employment arena. And so to take, take full advantage of it, um, you know, pay attention, have some courage, take advantage of what we're seeing out there around um, companies being more flexible, more open, still demanding accountability, still demanding results, but inside of knowing that people can do that, uh, there's just, there's a lot of opening out there. And so I think it's really exciting. And so just encourage people to you know, to feel that and have some courage. If there's something pulling at them, pay attention to it and, uh, and go ahead and make the move. It's a good, it's, it's good to be part of, I don't think we fully know what's unfolding and what will, what changes will last and what it's going to look like. But I think we all know that we are in the middle of something that is going to look somewhat different in the future. And it's fun to be part of that. Yes. And it's fun to be part of this conversation with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your contribution. And, uh, you know, just as a quick recap, I think the, the, the balance that you talked about of the paying attention to the intuition and the feelings and the little nigglings, those little cookie crumbs and hints that, that Mm -hmm. are being dropped and then balancing that out with rationality and making sure it's something that really fits your life. And I think kind of coming back to that idea of meaningful work can take so many different shapes. And so being really dialed into what is meaningful for you at the particular point that you're at in your career trajectory and and your life cycle and and making choices, powerful choices from there. And I, I love that you also ended with the idea of courage, because I can see a lot of people like really wanting to take advantage of this, wanting to you know, bust a move and create something new for themselves, but uh, being a little bit comfortable in their trappings. So it does take some courage. I do think it's interesting that a lot of people that are contemplating this are now in a remote working situation. So it's, it's interesting to think about that you've got professional questions coming up while you're sitting in a home setting. And I think that's part of what is allowed people to think about it in a different way. If you're going to the office every day, it doesn't come up in the same way as when you're doing your work, sitting in your living room or in a third bedroom or in your basement or wherever it is, you're in your home space. And I think it brings it up in a different way. And I, and I think that it's also something that can support people and having a more holistic view of the choices they want to make. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I also think that that it is that home setting and that unusual circumstances that we're in that is causing people to question whether or not what they're doing is fulfilling because they've got all this other stuff that's happening in their life and they're seeing their life, um, you know, like laid out very differently than, than we did before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Pam. It's been my absolute pleasure to sit down with you today and talk about your personal experience with the great resignation, where you're at in your 
move through that resignation and now onboarding process and fully, fully up to speed in that role and your reflections on how you traversed it. And I know that many people listening to this are going to find some great kernels of wisdom that are going to help them along this path for themselves, whether they choose to stay because that balance sheet maybe is going to point towards staying or whether they choose to leave or whether they know they wanted to leave, but they really needed to muster up the courage to make that happen. Absolutely. Thank you. I love talking to you as always. And thanks just for putting this conversation out there. It's a great conversation to be having. Enjoy your next interview. Absolutely. I will. And thank you. And until next time, this has been Janelle Anderson with Pam Longfellow on the Working Conversations podcast. Take good care. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.